Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful to be here this morning to encounter your word once more, to reflect upon how it teaches us to live in this time, to give us wisdom and guidance and understanding. So we, we open ourselves up to you, and we ask you to bless us. In the name of Jesus, amen. You as parents probably have experienced this at some point, and that is where your children, you know, when they're young, or maybe some of you still have young children, but when they're young, oftentimes they'll go and they'll put on your shoes. And they will start to walk around in your shoes. And of course, the shoes are way too big for their feet. And so they're kind of stumbling around and it's cute and it's touching. But more than that, you realize it's making a profound statement. And the statement is this, that they are wanting to walk in your shoes. They are wanting to be like you. Is that a scary thought? Well, I remember for Tammy and me at that first time when we began to, to see our kids do this, it, it was kind of scary as we realized that they were looking at us to be an example to them. And we realized that we need to set a good example for our children. What is good and right? What was holy and righteous? How they were to live? We needed to model that for them so they could walk in our shoes. Well, this morning, as we continue our series in the Secrets of Living the Better Life, we look at this first part of Ephesians chapter 5, and we see how Paul talks about us needing to walk in God's shoes. He teaches us how to walk, how to live, how to think. And so the passage we're looking at this morning has a very profound statement for us in this regard. So he starts off in verses 1 to 2 of Ephesians 5. Paul says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We know the depth of someone's love for us by the way that they sacrifice themselves for us. So maybe we need someone's help, and in the midst of their busyness, they drop their business so they can come and they can help us. And because they are giving themselves, sacrificing of themselves in that way, we know that we are important to them, that they truly love us deeply. Paul tells us here that we are dearly loved children. Now this is said many times throughout the Bible, times like John 1.12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Or Romans 8.16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And 1 John 3.1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. We are children of God, dearly loved Children. Now, of course, we know as parents that because we love our children so much that we watch over them and we help them and we care for them. And as we think about God's love, it makes sense that because God loves us so much, because we are his dearly loved children, God helps us and watches over us and, and cares for us. How important this reminder is in these times of the coronavirus, these times of protests and confusion, that God will ever be there for us. This is a promise we can count on. Now this should lead us all the more to follow through on the challenges that, that Paul gives us in Ephesians 5.1, to follow God's example, to walk in his way of love, 
He reminds us that we are children of God, and therefore we ought, as best we can, to walk in the way of God, love by first looking at how Christ loves us. He gives so wonderful instruction here when he talks about Christ's love for us. First, he says, to be sure that we understand the depth of God's love. Christ loved you and gave himself. The giving of himself is the demonstration of love. It never is enough just to say, I love you. Our words, when we say, I love you, must be followed by action if they're really going to have depth and meaning. My action confirms the truth of my words. Second, we notice the cost of Christ's love, and that was himself, his life. It was more than time or energy or inconvenience or, or suffering. It was a full extent of his sacrifice. He gave himself. Third, we notice that his love is this self-giving love, this self-giving love that is for you and for me. Christ loves us and gave himself up for us. This is how we know how important we are to God. In this time of isolation, we can begin to think about and, and question whether our life has purpose, whether our life has meaning, whether it has value. We see here that we are important because to God, we are always important. Christ gave himself up for you because you are important. And finally, we notice that God the Father was pleased with this act of self-sacrificing love. Here again, verse 2. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. When God looked down and saw the love the Son had poured out for us on the cross, it was a fragrant aroma to him. God loves the Son's love for us. If we are created in God's image, which we know we are because we're told of that in Genesis chapter 1, then we are to walk in the way of Christ. We are to be the image of Christ to the world. We are to be imitators of God, imitators of his holiness, meaning that we should live in a way that is good and right and honoring to God. We should reflect God in the way we live, the attitude that we have, the way we treat others for the sake of we should regularly be asking ourselves, do people see Christ, Christ's love in me by the way I live? If not, then we need to think about what do I need to change so that they indeed see Christ's love through me? The truth is, unless we love one another, none of the duties that we perform will be acceptable and right to God. Now, I've seen this love shown throughout the people in our church. We've seen people reaching out and supporting one another. One of the groups in our church took some uh, activity pages over to Royalwood so that they would be encouraged and so that they would feel the love of Christ as someone was thinking about them and remembering them. Others are, are taking groceries to those who are in need or maybe a little um, nervous to go out and shop for themselves. So others are making sure that the people are staying connected with each other in the church so they don't feel alone. These are just some of the ways that the love of Christ has been shared during this time of the pandemic. We can continue to do this. We can continue to 
to walk in the way of the love of Christ. And so our first point here is that as God's dearly loved children, because we know we are so loved by Christ, we too can share that love by walking in the way of love. From the time of Adam and Eve, even up to the time now, we see that Satan wants to deceive people. Satan knows that if he can get us to think about other things other than God, then we might be led away from walking with God. If he could turn our focus from Jesus, then he could lead us to lose sight of what is important. He can cause us to lose the hope we are to have in God. Paul warns us in Ephesians 5, 6, he says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Now, of course, Satan doesn't do the deceiving really himself anymore. He actually causes people who are not following God to do the deceiving for him. He uses the pressures of being molded to society. He tries to get us to think that the ways of the world are better than the ways of God. And he calls these empty words. Empty words are those that lack substance or wisdom or truth. They are words that are not filled with reality or matched with action. They can even be words that seem to have importance, but are not the kinds of words that lead us to live for Christ. We have heard how many of our more liberal governors are, are trying to refocus people's understanding of, of how to live. They, they're talking about leading us into this new way of living. They're trying to shape our reality for us with their words in this time of the pandemic. We must be careful to understand that much of what is being said is seeking to lead us away from the path that God has for us. Paul says that we should live as children of the light. Ephesians 5.8, he says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. The truth is we were once in darkness when we did not follow Christ, when we did not know Christ, when we had not yet accepted Christ as our Savior and our Lord. Before Christ, we, we did not understand the truth of God. Before Christ, there were many things that we did that were wrong, but we didn't think of them as being wrong. There are many things in our world where people are regularly doing these wrong things, but they don't think that it is wrong. If I asked you to make a list of those things, I'm sure you could make a long list See, the point is, is that because we were in darkness, we were blinded to the truth of God and believed as others did. Then Paul says, but, he uses the word but, but now you are light in the Lord. The word but leads us to the conclusion that we are no longer in this place of thinking like the world thinks. We're no longer thinking in the old ways of thinking. We are to live differently from the world. So as Christians, we are called to live as children of the light. As followers of Jesus, the light of God shines in us and through us. Yes, we are saved by grace and not by works, which we learned in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. But the way we live our lives is important. We are saved by grace through faith to do good works, Ephesians 2, 10. You might try to make a goal in this time to encourage someone who is struggling because of this disconnectedness 
You might find a way to make sure that you are not being judgmental to others, but treating others with equality. You might seek to help someone who is struggling financially because they've fallen on hard times during this time of the coronavirus. There are many ways, even now, that we can live as children of the light. Paul concludes this section in verse 14 saying, This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, I've been calling people regularly during this time, and sometimes I'll, I'll talk to someone and they'll, they'll admit, they'll kind of confess to me, yeah, Pastor, I, I've been a little lazy. Sometimes I just wear my jammies all day, and, and I'm not that motivated to be active. We get a little lazy when we're, when we're home a little bit too much. Well, when Paul says, wake up, sleeper, you might think of this idea of laziness, but it's not, it's not a physical laziness. What he's talking about is moving from being spiritually dead to being alive in Christ. John Calvin says in this verse, verse 14, Let us therefore endeavor, as far as lies in our power, to arouse the sleeping and dead, that we may bring them to the light of Christ. We are to be committed to make sure that we help people understand how they're in the dark, and so that they can have understanding of this life, this purpose, this productivity that they can have through Christ. This time of the coronavirus is actually a great time for us to do this because people are reflecting about the meaning of life, the purpose of their life. They're, they're reflecting on where God is in all of this. We can show people that Christ is alive in us, regardless of whether or not we can get out of the house and congregate together. God is with us, reminding us that in all things will work together. He will work together for the good. God is present and active, just as he was with his people in the wilderness when they were wandering around, wondering what the purpose of their life was, wondering what their future would be. So our second point is that in Christ we are not deceived, but instead we are guided by God's truth to be a light to those in darkness. Paul continues with these words from Ephesians 5, 15 to 16. He says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Be very careful then how you live. I need this exhortation. And I would imagine that you need this exhortation as well. It is so easy to have lost our sense of purpose in this time of disassociation. Most people I know are working from home. Some have told me, you know, it's actually okay to work at home. I'm doing pretty well. But there's others that said, well, I'm doing okay. I'm getting work done, but it's taking me longer to get the work done. I'm working more hours because maybe I'm not quite as efficient, quite as productive at home. In this time, we have to be a little more creative. There are so many of our leaders of our church who have been creative in this time. I'm so thankful for what they have done as they've, they've taken advantage of this opportunity and, and thought up of ways that we can continue to do our, our ministries, continue to stay connected with each other, continue to be the church of Christ, the body of Christ together. They are doing a wonderful job. 
being creative and, and making sure that we don't lose our way. So we need to be careful then how we are living. Or as Paul continues, he says to be wise in how you are living. One of the best ways to do this is ask, is God pleased with the way that I'm using my time, the way I'm spending my time? If not, then maybe we need to change something to live more wisely in a way that honors God, in a way that God will shine his light through our lives and how we wisely use our time. See, this means that we need to have balance in our life. I mean, we're, we're beings that are physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And so we need to make sure that all the aspects of our lives are balanced. Some of you might not be as active as you were before. You can't go to the gym, or you're not as motivated to go outside to, to work out, and so maybe you've gotten a little lazy and, and not exercising as much. And so you need to be a little wiser in your exercise. Some have told me that because you're home all the time, you're snacking more, and you're, you're eating more, and maybe you put on a few pounds, and, and so maybe you're not as wise in your eating habits. I think you see where I'm going with this. We need to make sure that we're using our time in all aspects of our life in a way that honors God and shines the light of God to others so that we can seek God and He can be our guide and He can lead us down that right, good, and wise path that He has for us in all aspects of our time. Paul says that there are practices and attitudes that we should always have that help us to stay right with God and shine the light of God. And in verses 19 to 20, he gives us one of those important practices. He says, Sing and make music from your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul reminds us that the days are evil. There is evil all around us. There is sinful behavior all around us. In some ways, maybe it's good to be home more so that we're kind of protected from that evil, from that sin. But if you watch the news, you are bombarded by all that is happening in our world, all the evil that is around us. It can be quite concerning, alarming, maybe even scary. But there's a way to combat this evil. We are told here, that we're called to sing to the Lord and be thankful. Now that might be a little bit of a surprise that really that's the answer, to sing to the Lord, to sing more to the Lord. Well, throughout the scriptures, we are encouraged to sing to the Lord. It is amazing how by singing to the Lord, we change our whole attitude. There's something powerful that happens in the depth of our being when we worship God through singing. First, it's because we turn our focus from ourselves to the Lord. We focus on the one who is all-powerful and all-knowing. Second, it is because we forget our problems and in essence we release our problems to God during this time of singing, of praising. We remember who God is and we remember to say thank you to that God for being who He is. We recognize that He is the one who blesses us and protects us and watches over us. So our third point is to make use of our time for the Lord with the opportunities that he gives us, giving praise to God and thanks for his being the God who loves us. John Henry Jowett, an influential preacher at the turn of the 20th century, had this to say about love. 
He says, there is love whose measure is that of an umbrella. There is love whose inclusiveness is that of a great marquee. And there is love whose comprehension is that of the immeasurable sky. The aim of the New Testament is the conversion of the umbrella into a tent and the merging of the tent into the glorious canopy of the all-enfolding heavens. Push back the walls of family love until they include the neighbor. Again, push back the walls until they include the stranger. Again, push back the walls until they comprehend the foe. What is true more now than ever is that we, as Christ followers, represent the church, and even more, we represent God. As we walk in the way of the Lord, we exemplify the love of Christ, and then we can truly be wise, knowing how to live, because we are following the example of Christ, using our time and opportunities for God. And then we will begin to have that right focus. We will begin to understand all the more what God's will is for our lives, for our church. It might take a little creativity to do that now, but with God's help, He will enable us to do it. So let's commit ourselves to this, to walk in the way of the Lord, to walk in the way of his love, to use our time wisely for his glory and honor. Let us pray.